It's a bold move there, overriding Confucius. I'm overriding Confucius, man. He's <laughs> gender biased. Hey, hey, it's your bias. show. That's if Confucius right. has an issue with it, he can hop on the show, leave a speak pipe. Yeah, and... or he can, you know, he can say it on his show. Welcome to Think, Act, Get with James Shramko and Ezra Firestone. What you think determines how you act, which results in what you get. So join in now as we discuss how you can think differently, act faster, and get high-performance results in your business. Hi there, listener. Welcome back to another episode of Think, Act, Get. Ezra Firestone, my partner as always, James Shramko. James, how are you, man? Good, mate. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I just really enjoyed doing that uh, intro. Yeah, you're sounding a bit poppy today. It's, um, it reminded me to put my pop shield over the, the mic. You know how we both have the Rode Podcaster mic? Well, dude, I'm cheating on the road today. What do you mean? Well, I'm using the Yeti. You know that big phallic-looking oh, silver thing? I can tell because the podcaster mic has a built-in pop shield and it, it gets oh. rid of P and T. If you're going to use one of those loud mics, you've got to use a pop filter. Interesting. Well, I can switch to the road. Uh, well, no, I can't. We're stuck for this podcast. <laughs> That's right. So <laughs> just uh, in case the listeners, uh, we've probably already lost them. Uh, Dan Andrews was saying on a recent podcast with uh, – Ben, about um, people should get to the point much quicker. So today's episode is called Burnout. Tell me about it, Ez. Well, I just stabbed myself in the hand with a fork, and that did not feel good. Sorry, I just had to say that because it was the energy was there for it. Uh, burnout. It's all too common in our society. We all experience it at one point or another. And we're really in, it's like we're really into something. And so we get into it and it eats up the bulk of our lives. Athletes experience it, musicians, students, employees, yoga teacher, like people are burning out all around us. So, burnout, what is it? What causes it? Are you burned out? And how is it affecting your business and your life? That's what we're looking at in this episode of Think, Act, Get. I'm getting flashbacks of when we were talking about balance once before. Yeah, this, I mean, this really is similar to the balance episode, uh, though it's, it's just, it's so relevant because it keeps coming back. It's always, it's, you always have the potential for burnout and you know what burnout, it often comes from doing something longer than you're actually capable of fully engaging with it. So like you don't listen to that voice in your head that asks for a break and that's when you experience burnout. It's a lot like exhaustion. If you're regularly staying up uh, awake, if you're regularly staying awake past the point where your body needs sleep, you're going to get exhausted to the point where you need to sleep a lot longer than you would have needed to otherwise. And burnout's the same way. You're expending this energy past the point on a project where you feel you need a break from it, and then you end up needing super long before you can come back to it. And we actually live in a society that values production and some, and to some degree values the process of burning you out, you know, nose to the grindstone. Like we think of those things as good qualities. But my question is, who are they good qualities for? They're not really good for you. They may, they may be good for your boss or your company, but they're not necessarily good for you because you might be working for a large company that, that doesn't mind having an employee burn out because they can just replace you. And, and it does harken back to that episode on balance because what it, what it really uh, boils down to is being self-aware enough 
to know when it's time to take a break. And just because you could push for a little longer doesn't necessarily mean you should push a little longer. And if you're current, if you're frequently experiencing burnout like I have been recently, you should really assess your lifestyle and perhaps take a look at the projects that you're doing with a longer view. So is it the most important thing that you soldier through what, with whatever thing you're working on and get it done tonight? Or is it better to stop, take a break, and resume working on that thing with fresh eyes? Like maybe it will take you a little longer to get, it, get things done, but perhaps that extra small amount of time is worth it if it results in a better product. And oftentimes it doesn't actually save you any time to burn yourself out because you have to take into account the time that it takes for you to recover from that burnout. So, you know... Don't try to win the competition of who can keep going longer, harder, and faster because it really comes back to, in my experience, that slow and steady wins the race. And this is, a, uh, this is just a very prevalent experience for me in my life right now. I can tell you're super passionate. I was wondering if this is a solo cast for a minute there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's all right. I've made a, I've made a couple of notes. So um, why don't you just uh, rest up for a second, relax. Yeah, thanks, man. Deep breath. Okay. Burnout is the event that is the result of the process. Now, if we take our podcast name into account, think at get. If you're getting burnout, that means your actions caused it, which means you've got to change the thinking behind whatever you're actioning, and that will result in a different outcome. I love what you talked about uh, how employers quite often expect or demand it. I, I always think of a corporate drone like that and that was one of the compelling reasons for me to go it alone, to have my own business, was to be able to have less compromise because to me compromise was uh, waking up earlier than I wanted with an alarm clock, putting on a suit and tie and I don't get the tie part. Like what is the point of this little bit of coloured cloth around our neck? I know there's probably a bunch of reasons like status symbol, peacock, all that sort of stuff. But seriously, it doesn't really serve a practical function, not even to clean up food because if you spill stuff, you've got to dry clean it. So then you drone off into work with all the other drones and then you're doing sometimes meaningless stuff because it's mandated and you're getting paid by one guy who, if you upset, can let you go. So... I can understand how people get caught in the trap. So the first part is to do the thinking part. Really think about what is the point of what you are doing. And we've had this discussion before, Ezra, where we've where you've sort of floated an idea and then I, I will say, well, what's what outcome do you want? What result do you want? What is the whole point of this exercise? And quite often we'll arrive at the conclusion that it's not a necessary process to engage in in the first place. It seems like we do so much stuff that really is unnecessary that we don't actually need to be doing it. And we're either doing it out of habit, like on one of the past episodes we've discussed, or we're doing it out of obligation, or we're doing it because we think we have to. And I think it really is a good process to have a look at what, what, what are you doing and why are you doing those things and what do you really need to be doing? And what are the warning signs? Um, now, I think I've got a plausible reason why people will suffer burnout uh, and that is partly because in some parts of our life we are taught to override our natural signals so we have a natural fear of public speaking we have a natural fear of putting out products and creating stuff that the public will view and you know on this sort of episodes we've talked about overcoming that fear and and pushing through that barrier we've used the word barrier we also taught if we want to 
get skinny and uh, be healthy, sometimes we have to override our hunger pains and stuff and you know ease back on the on the shoveling maybe have a smaller portion you might have heard this in the dieting sort of language and then we have to constantly override things such as lethargy when we just don't feel like doing anything however for some reason we know we have to get up and produce something now if you can sort out a lot of the mindset stuff these things melt away anyway i was speaking to a fitness lady and she said of the the mental part or the physical exercise part or the diet part, she said the mental part was far more important for weight loss than the diet part, which was far more important than the exercise part, which was like the last thing on the on the rung. But a lot of people are just focusing on the wrong part altogether. Isn't that a good analogy for life? And really, you're, you're, the way that you think, and this really is what I love so much about the premise of this show dictates so much of your life. It dictates what kind of shape you're in. It dictates who your friends are. It dictates how happy you are as a person. Yeah, so if you get the, the mindset stuff right, then you can control uh, the way you eat. You can control your fear and rationalize it in terms of uh, growth. Like if you do take on some challenges, then you can grow. And if you can grow, then you might experience life more. So a lot of people are actually wishing for the wrong thing potentially. Like they want it, they want the easy way. They want the simple, the the um, the the one that requires less effort. That's why we have elevators, es- escalators, inclinators, uh, cars. Like there's a lot of things to to make life easier. But then those same people will go down to the gym and walk on a treadmill or an exercise bike. Now, I don't get it. Why don't they just walk anyway or just take the stairs or walk along the beach instead of a treadmill to, to incorporate the process into getting the event that they'd like to have happen but do it in a way that, that they're excited about so they don't have to fight lethargy. And, and basically this comes down to if you're burning out, then you may want to reset your whole MO, the, the modus operandi, like what is what is it that you're actually doing? Why are you doing it? What is causing this burnout? And, I, you know, I've... Uh, and and could, your, could your energy that you're using in the direction of something that is making you miserable be more effectively used in some other direction? Yeah, so sometimes it's good to do that little exercise. Like start with your current situation, like, okay, I'm burnt out. Um, why am I burnt out? Well, I'm not sleeping enough and I'm working too long hours. Why are you working too long hours? Because I need to make money. Why do you need to make the money? Because I've got these debts. Why do you have the debts? Because society dictates they're going to judge me on my car, so I needed to go and take a loan, etc. This is probably a very common thing. And if I look back uh, to you know, what I did after school, I did all the typical things. Probably I got a job, got a mortgage, I bought investments, uh, and thankfully, I didn't have to buy cars or borrow for cars. So that was one bit that I missed. And uh, I, I only ever borrowed on property where there was more equity in the property than, than what it borrowed. But if you look at something like the United States market, a lot of people probably thought they had equity and then they didn't have equity. And that decision has locked them into a lifestyle that probably requires a little bit of burnout just to stay up to pace with everybody. So those early decisions had massive penalties. You know, uh, uh, this is bringing up a conversation that I think is an interesting one to have, which is 
what do you actually need and then what do you want? So when we were moving apartments, I actually got to have a look at all the different stuff that we have and like look at what, what do we have stuff that we really don't need? And what, I, what made me feel really good about myself was that like all the stuff that we have is stuff that we actually use and stuff that we, that we believe that we need and we don't just have a whole bunch of random stuff just for the sake of having stuff. And I think it's, you know, it, and that's just uh, in the sense of the physical things that you, you know, the items that you have in your life. But what, what do you have in your life that you don't actually need in your life? And, and that, you know, this is the conversation that we have. We had this conversation on my blog, you know, uh, we did a, we did a blog post. You remember this blog post we did? Yeah. Yeah. Is that the one we recorded here? Yeah. Yeah. So people should go and check that out actually on your site. We, uh, it's the only place that it appears. I didn't publish it on my stuff. So Ezra and I did some uh, – the same at the same time, we recorded the Hawaii video, which if you're listening to this before the event and the, if the video is still up, you should do it because it's quite funny. Uh, go and have a look. But we recorded a few other things. Ezra was sort of drilling into some favorite topics that came out of the event that we ran here uh, at the Fast Food Formula Live event. And there's some good stuff in there. But I think this – conversation about less is going to be recurring because i'm just deep diving into it i'm now reading a kindle called insanely simple the obsession that drives apple's success and it's so on target with everything we've talked about it's about having the minimum amount of people in a meeting will get you the maximum result it's about obsessively focusing on fighting off complexity just beat it away if you can have two things or one thing you take the one thing and uh, I'm just a massive fan of simple. So if you if you are feeling over overloaded, if you're starting to burn out, then you're doing too much. You're trying to cram a, a uh, bowling ball down a garden pipe, right? <laughs> down the garden hose pipe, and you need to to stop. Try try running a marble down a storm drain pipe. That's way easier. And then run Unless- a whole lot of marbles. That's it. Just, just take it easy. <laughs> well, I tell you what, you know, my whole business is being based around this as well. And I saw an interesting example of this because I just got back from the Shopify headquarters in Ottawa, Canada. They flew me up there to shoot some video for their e-commerce university that they're doing. And, um, you know, they're, what's interesting about Shopify is they're the prominent e-commerce platform in our community right now. They have 60,000 stores as opposed to Big Commerce and Volusion, who have 30,000 each. And two years ago, or a year ago, rather, they all had 30,000. So Shopify has just taken off. And the reason why they've taken off so so well and, and so much is not because of their sales and marketing. They're not really doing a whole lot of sales and marketing. It's because their product is superior. It's really, really simple. They just focus solely on the e-commerce functionality. They don't build in email marketing because they feel like, AWeber does that better. They don't build in uh, remarketing because they feel like AdRoll does that better. So they don't build in all these features. They don't make their platform clunky, and it makes their platform so much easier to manipulate so, and so much easier for third parties to integrate with. And all these other platforms are trying to do 20 different things, and they've got to have 20 different departments to work on those different add-ons. And so it's really interesting for me to look at Shopify just take off because they're the simplest. Well, it's um – Interestingly, that is how my business is built around Nanocast for the same reason. It plugs into Office Autopilot or Infusionsoft or Aweber because they don't want to be trying to be the best email. So you have a lot of compromise when you have an all-in-one solution versus being able to customize. Yeah, and, and you end up getting – But do you know what? Go ahead. It means they're not, 
they're not going to burn out because they don't have to be the best all-in-one solution. Now they just have to be the best at the part that they do and they specialize in it and they do a good job of it. And they now have the marketplace for everything else, right? So like all the applications are sold through the Shopify marketplace. Guess who takes a percentage of that? Shopify. Like Yes, and now instead of a competitor, they're a complementer. It's amazing. It's incredible looking at their business model and I'm, I'm learning a lot about how I'm going to structure my services business. I learned a lot based on being up at their headquarters ah. and it was just fascinating. Well, you've just discovered stuff you know there's a reason why my website uh website is on a separate domain to my seo website because a lot of uh, website developers are our seo customers and they don't want our seo customers finding out about my website company so it's uh keep it siloed and you open up your market yeah absolutely so back to the <laughs> back to the lecture at hand which and one thing I want to talk to you about, you know, because we've had this conversation in the past. You burned out working at your car dealership, but you believed that it, you firmly believed that it was a good thing and it was a good decision for you at the time. So, can burnout be a positive thing? Is it something that can can benefit you? I I think this comes down to the definition of burnout because I I don't think I would say that I burnt out. I think that I was concerned that if I stayed in that job, I'd be burnt out or bitter or become one of those old bitter men who hate what they do and make sure they let everyone around them know about it. So I'd lost the passion, yes. I had found a passion for a new business love of my own business, yes, and I was working my butt off. I pushed myself to to a physical constraint. So it's funny, even reflecting on it, I wouldn't call that burnout for me, maybe because I'm stubborn, but I didn't collapse, I didn't stop. For me, burnout would be the point where you can't continue anymore. I just reached the maximum threshold and I kept my, my uh, foot to the floor and I was on that red line until I quit my job for a period of several months in the end where I had minimal sleep. However, I could see that it was possible. I could see, I absolutely believed that it was doable. And looking back five years ago when I quit my job, I still can't believe I walked into the office and resigned from that plump job because at the time I didn't really have the solid base that I have now in terms of uh, good reputation and uh, a following or customer base. Hey, you know, you never told us how you did that. Did you just go up to your manager and your boss and say, hey, pal, yeah. I'm out of here? Did they know it was coming? Like, what was the set the stage for me? The stage was as part of my role as general manager, I took over the website and the marketing team as well. It was, you know, I had service parts, finance, admin, and the website. And I had access to the web developer that they contracted. And we were, I was learning all this internet marketing stuff part time and building my own little affiliate sites and doing squeeze pages and video landing pages and stuff. This is five years ago. So this is 2006. Sorry, I started in 2005, end of 2005, as my little hobby. I quit my job five years ago. So it'd be 2008, maybe. Uh, so, wow. So, you know, we, you haven't really been in the game for, for a super, super long time. No, when I started, all I thought it was sort of almost over. You know, there's already the famous Yannick Silvers and Mike Phil Sames and that. They'd already sort of peaked Marlon Sanders and, um, you know, so all, 
all the gurus. Stompernet uh, was just well, coming out at the time. Yeah, there was all that stuff was exploding. So I felt like, you know, I'm just this one little guy in Australia in a car dealership running a multi-million dollar business trying to learn this stuff at night, you know, building little websites on Excite Pro, writing my own articles and publishing it to Ezine articles. Like we're talking small time here. I'd literally run my laptop uh, – I'd take it out of my cupboard when I got home and run a, a ten meter telephone cable to the to the dial up uh, and log in and try and teach myself how to build a website. I don't know if people know this, but you ran your business up until like six months ago on super slow internet, which is just I don't even know how you pulled that off. Yes, until until this year, I've had internet slower than most third world countries. So if I can do it, anyone can do this. So uh, the point is. I built my affiliate commission up quite steadily. Uh, every time I had a, a holiday with the family, I would take my box set, my DVDs. Like I'd get the third release traffic secrets at discounted price. I bought it. I consumed the whole thing on my holidays. And then I'd, I'd go, yep, doing that, doing that. I've got to do that, got to do that. And by the time I, I just built my business up to about 10 grand a month, with affiliate commission and I was going deep in just – I was selling one product as an affiliate and then created an info product around that one product. I was so deep but just one inch wide and that's where I learned all my skills. That's where I learned web development, opt-ins, traffic, SEO, conversions. Everything was around just building this whole one – I mean I learned how to do the video, the audio, the, the designs of the banners, everything. It was a huge mistake by the way. But anyway, um, I – Decided to go to America, to Underground 4, and I didn't know a soul there. But from that event, I got exposed to people like Mike Hill about CPV marketing. I saw Ebert and Pagan speak. I um, met some people who were really doing well. There was a, a guy there who was making about $10 million a year running webinars in the stock trading industry. So it was fascinating to just get my eyes opened up. And I won a prize to go to Maverick. And uh, that was six weeks later, I went to Las Vegas and I was doing uh, zero gravity and co air combat. I still had to pay for my airfares, but I didn't have to join the, the membership at the time. I got, I got gifted it for winning a competition from all of the people at Underground. I, I won this prize for implementation. And from there, I got to spend the weekend with uh, people like Phil Sam and Brad Fallon and Mike Hill and several CPA marketers. I went home and I started doing CPA marketing and I was doing up to $3,800 a day in sales. Oh, and man, the old CPA days. I remember them. <laughs> yeah, but geez, you wouldn't want your business built on just that, right? Oh, no, so, man. That's why I got into e-commerce. Yeah, well, like now I do no paid traffic at all uh, and no affiliates uh, and I'm not really an affiliate for anything other than software, which I'm very good at. Like when I am an affiliate, I'm usually like the top – affiliate or in the top 10 if I push something because I really believe in it. But aside from that, I went to a couple of people who I'd built websites for and said, let, let me run your internet marketing. And both of them said yes. And that tallied up to the balance of my salary, which was uh, circa $300,000 a year. So I, uh, I'm like, okay, well, my goal was to replace my income, which I've done. And I um, did up my resignation letter. I cruised in. And in the meantime, just to give a little backstory, on the company website, I'd started building opt-ins. I built a, an email list of 10,000 subscribers on our website. No one in the other dealerships was doing that. I built it, uh, 6,000 of them offline 
with the winner winner weekend in a Mercedes competition. I had a lay five flyer. People had to guess the name, like it was Mercedes B uh, slash, you know, like a gap then NZ, and you had to fill in to guess the prize and put in your name and email and address and. I built up this email list by taking these prizes all around and then we ran events and we did multi-channel marketing and we tracked it all, direct response, SMS, email, point of sale, like everything I was learning about Jay Abraham and Dan Kennedy and all the internet marketing gurus I was applying to the dealership. So the, the boss knew that I was funding this myself. I never asked them to pay for a cent. I was implementing everything that I knew that I was learning at night onto the company website. So I ended up going into the office and I said, so just letting you know that uh, I'm resigning. I am going out on my own to do my own thing in the internet uh, marketing stuff because it's really my passion. And he said, I'm not really surprised. Um, You've seemed to have a real affinity for that stuff and uh, certainly made a big difference in the dealership. Uh, So at that particular place when I started, it was uh, negative seven figures in – profit and when I finished there it was a positive six figures in profit so it was a huge turnaround in in four years wow two takeaways two takeaways from this number one it's really good to go to live events most of my a lot of big big deals for me have come from live events and it's great to be able to see what is possible when you see someone else doing something it, it shows you that it's possible even subconsciously you're like oh that that can be done, and I can do that. Yeah, I, I agree. If I had not gone to the live event, it would not have happened. And the, the, believe me, the last thing that I could afford to do in terms of time off or income was to go back for that second event. It was like absolutely the worst possible prize I could win. I wanted to win the Get Altitude box set from Eben Pagan, but unfortunately for me at the time, I'd just won this access to Maverick, which I didn't really want. I don't want to drive around in rally cars or fly planes at, and pay ten grand a year to join that and, and fly to America three times a year. It's a big deal to fly to America from here several times a year. It's it's ten grand a throw. Every time I go to America, it's ten grand. It's two grand in airfares. It's a couple of grand in accommodation, and then you've got your event ticket. These days, luckily, I don't pay for events because people invite me to either speak or just to be a VIP, which is fantastic. And I have a lot of gratitude to those people who recognize that when they do that, I talk about it to other people on Facebook and my blog. And and usually my my mastermind customers will come to it as well. And, you know, it's good business for them and it's great for me, but definitely go to live events. And I also just want to say, as I retell this story, it's now been, uh, you know, I've been online since 2005. It's been five years since I quit my job. And sometimes maybe I can't remember the exact specifics with the, the numbers or whatever, but it seems to sort of fade now because it, it's becoming less important. So forgive me if if it's um, an estimate, but uh, like I let go of stuff like that. That's one secret to not burn out is when something's done, let go of it. And I was reminded of this recently when, I have a PPC customer, you know, one of the customers I look after, we manage their PPC and I don't use PPC anymore. I'm lost on the interface. But at one point, five years ago, that's what I did every day for a living. I was driving thousands of dollars worth of ads and making sales and now I don't touch it. Same with um, poking around the back of WordPress. It's not my thing. And 
even to some extent some of the SEO stuff I've really I've got an, a research and development team and I'm not poking around under the hood as much as I used to and it's not really my place to do that my place is to focus on building a great business and making sure that that we have good strategy so if I was trying to do all of that I'd burn out so anyway to answer your first question Ezra I would have burnt out if I'd stayed where I was and I recognized that I needed to take massive actions and I just did it even now I'm, I'm impressed now with what I did then uh because it's very rare and uncommon. Yeah, and you moonlighted it, man. The same way I built my internet business was by the moonlight. I had a day job, and I worked at it at night until I could quit my day job. And, I, and it's just cool that, that so many people... One of the things, though, was to be able to tell my boss that I do this internet marketing stuff to learn about it and to understand it and that I, I'm applying everything I learned to the dealership. They made a lot of money because they had such an advantage on the online space because no other dealers were even close and still aren't. They're still not close to it five years later. And I think that's an interesting point for, for, for our listeners is what you know is very valuable. And most people are not paying attention to this kind of thing. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about this in the quotes. But this brings us to so, – so one point is we're not against working hard. We're for working smart. Hey, look, anyone looking at us, Ezra, would say that we work hard. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> but here's the difference. We're working on our own terms. Like we have a blank canvas. You can live where you want. You can work on what you want, with whom you want, at whatever prices you want. Like it's now within your control and you have multiple people paying you. So it's such a better business. And if you feel that it's too much, you can just stop doing some of it. You can just turn. You can literally turn it off. Once I turned off my mastermind about three years ago, I turned it off for a few months because it wasn't doing what I wanted it to do. I stopped it, and and when I say stop it, I mean just to put this in perspective, that's saying no to thirty grand a month of cash. It's saying no, I don't want thirty grand a month because I'm not happy with the way that I'm getting getting this to work i want to redo it that's when i kicked off with my forum in silver circle that was the right way to do it to manage that size group of people so being able to switch stuff off or say no to stuff or do less is where you'll save yourself from that overwhelm which brings us to our weekly willpower wager where this week, what we want you to do, I was just, I'm, wor I'm working on, back to it. Listeners, listeners, you've got to send in some wages, please. <laughs> let, let us have a run. Oh, that's true. That's true. Go to SpeakPipe and, uh, and leave us a message with, with your version of the wager, and we'll put it on there. And what we want you to do this week is we want you to stop. We want you to slow down. We want you to work one less hour per day this week and party one more hour per day and see how that makes you feel. Just see what it's like to go to bed an hour earlier or take off work an hour earlier. Just one hour per day. Uh, do one hour less per day and let us know how that feels. Yeah, it's like this friend of ours was um, saying that he's working his butt off at the moment and he's, you know, the alarm clock goes off and he's feeling over time. I'm like, dude, you shouldn't need an alarm clock. And I shared with him the airplane exercise. When I used to travel to America, I was on the plane for 14 hours with no internet, so the customer can't talk to me and I can't talk to them. So just book yourself an airplane ride, you know, an imaginary airplane ride where you switch off everything for 14 hours. Pretend you're traveling to America or if you're in America, pretend you're traveling to Australia and you can't. So just go to the diary, block a day to just catch up on stuff, you know, to 
take your pants down to the tailors and have the zipper repaired if it's broken or get your car washed or pay your taxes or take your, your loved one for a, a bike ride or whatever, but just block it out and pay yourself first, as my grandfather used to say, and then the rest of the world will adjust. Believe me, it, they'll, they'll get over it. Yeah, it's really true. And it goes back to what we said in, I think it was episode four or five, take care of yourself, man. Like really, you are the most important thing in your life and, uh, and you should be taking care of you. Now, moving on. To- so my daring weekly willpower challenge is to block an entire day for yourself. Yeah, that, I mean, so, that's, that's, you know, that's a whole level above what I, I... I mean, I blocked Mondays for myself and just don't, I don't want to do customer calls on Monday. I don't want to have to do anything on Monday because... I never really loved Monday when I was in a job. So Monday is sort of an ease into the weekday for my big Tuesday mastermind. Mm, maybe I'm gonna, I might start taking Mondays off. I dare you, Ezra. I dare oh, you. I'm, that's it. Done. Double dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Why are you complying to my peer pressure? You're supposed to be uh, doing wait a minute. whatever. Wait a minute. Uh, I can't take Mondays off. I got to show up at a 7 p.m. Silver Circle call. <laughs> so have have the day off and just work nights. Yeah, that's a good idea. All right, news and updates. Here we go. We're accepting voicemails through SpeakPipe on our blog. We'd love you to hop on and uh, we'll play your answer on air or your comment on air and we will respond to it. We've got three or four in the pipe uh, that we need to play on the next episode. And Hawaii is coming up. We have uh, one spot left as at time of recording. So... You know, the thing that I'm most excited about this, apart from the fact that I get to hop on a plane, fly over to a tropical island, hang out with Ezra and several of our best, well, I guess most motivated or, or uh, people seeking some improvement listeners, uh, it's just the fact that we were able to create this just from an idea and that it's happening and it's real and uh, it's just a testimony to podcasting. So if you've... Look at Think at Get. You'll notice we only started in 2013, and here we are, what, seven or eight months later, and we're creating something at the next level, and I'm sure that we're going to have plenty of things happening, and definitely we'll be doing stuff in Australia and the US to cater for a broader listener base, if I'm thinking back to Roman's comments from uh, many moons ago, but you know, we're making something of this podcast, and we're both committed to sustaining this. And I'll tell you what, I mean, yes, this podcast is a whole lot of fun and we're going to keep doing it. And we, it's, you know, podcasts do monetize. I have a lot of service requests, uh, mastermind members, people are coming to my event. Almost $30,000 in brown box formula sales from, from Think I Get. Like, it's, you know, they, they, they can be monetized. It's not just a, I mean, look, it is a lot of fun and we wouldn't do it if it wasn't pleasurable and we didn't enjoy it. But it also is a business venture for us. So this is just tying in with the topic of um, burnout. It's not burning us out if we love it. And if it happens to pay your way as well, like fantastic. (laughs) I love it. So uh, you've been uh, updating your Smart Marketer website. You've got a new skin. Yeah, it's live. Uh, You know, I use Crazy Egg and I use Clicktail and I pay a lot of attention to analytics. And what I noticed was that nobody was consuming uh, anything but the first post on the home page. And I thought, gosh, I really ought to make it easier to consume my content. And so uh, I came up with a new layout which uh, allows folks to have access to more port- more pieces of my content right on the home page there. And uh, I'm already seeing a significant um, increase in click-throughs from the home page, time on site, 
Uh, there's still a couple edits that need to be made to the header and things like that, but it is. Uh, I'm very happy with it. And if you're interested, check it out, smartmarketer.com. It's fancy looking. Yeah, and here's a couple of points on that. One is if you ever click on Ezra's links or some of mine, you'll notice there's tracking IDs. Ezra is a testing machine, and I have been known to test as well, test, track, and measure, which means that whatever Ezra's doing on Smart Marketer or whatever I'm doing on superfastbusiness.com is probably what we think is a good starting point for our tests. You may be looking at a test version or something new, but I would say that we would update Superfast Business almost on a weekly basis. We've moved icons around. We've changed the location of something. We've changed the colors of the background. I'm running Crazy Egg in Analytics too, and I get plenty of traffic, like, I don't know, a 1,000 visits a day, so I'm able to test stuff. But I do just want to say this. Please, if you're going to get ideas from our sites, put them into your hopper bin and then customize them for your market and your voice. And I don't mean cut and paste the site and then type your product over where mine is because, God, you know, finding a disturbing number of exact clones. And the thing is, it lowers it, lowers it for everyone. And almost every single time when we contact someone who's copied our site exactly, they're oblivious to uh, the offense until it's been brought to their attention. So, I just want you to think about that. If you go to <laughs> and ninety five percent of the time they're like, "I'm your biggest fan." <laughs> I know, and it's 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 quite normal to think, "Well, gee, okay, so James has been doing this for seven years, and this is what he thinks is good." So I'll just start there. That's that's fine, but you know, I have a web development team. We customize the site. I put a lot of time and effort and hours into coming up with that creation. So I'd love it if you could just you know. Remix it a little bit, flip around the colors a bit, change change something and personalize it for you. The the big danger is that it becomes the standard or the norm. And I I do want to stand out a little bit with my site. Um, it's flattering that people will copy it, but at the same time, if everyone's got the same site, it just uh, it lowers it to the norm. Then, then so I'll continually evolve it anyway. So I'm not that worried. But and I also get that we want to remix. So start. Start with something like Ezra or mine. Or, hey, look, if you want to go to my website and buy a copy of my site, my my team who actually made it can make one for you too. And they'll help you customize it just for you. So there's another option for you because we've already put in the 150 hours of development to get it to where it's at. That would be atlweb.com. And speaking of services, I've got a services division coming soon. Up until now, all of my services have been word of mouth and they've been very, very expensive. And I'm creating a public-facing services division mainly geared towards the e-commerce world that you will be able to find on smartmarketer.com in the coming weeks. So I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, you should you should be doing – you should be helping other e-commerce owners because you know what you're talking about. All right. So ATL Web's got a redesign as well. So if you've ever been to ATL Web, you'll notice that it's changing too. It's in a very first draft stage of its change, so I, I wouldn't copy it just yet. Just wait until we run some testing before you get some ideas from it, but you're certainly welcome to order from it. Right, so let's talk about uh, our listener comments and feedback. Yeah, we've got a lot of them. First, we've got uh, Phil on the Willpower episode, like I call him, Phil Power. He says, I had to go back. <laughs> I had to go back and start listening from the beginning because these are so good. I've already turned three other people onto your podcast. Thank you, Phil Power. We appreciate it. 
Yeah, thanks, Phil. That's what it's all about. Share the love. Uh, Siki on leadership. Promptly, leadership is very much about responsibility and good to start with yourself. Take 100% responsibility and start being the leader of your life. Sig, oh, you, you know what, Ezra? I've got to tell you a story about that leadership episode. Hit me with it. Okay. So um, every time we do an episode, generally you do the show notes and we record together and then uh, my team will edit the audio and put it on the blog and usually I will choose a picture or take a picture. Most of the pictures are just uh, a custom picture that I've taken with my iPhone. The other day for the leadership episode, we put up a picture of Hitler because he, he was, was mentioned, mentioned on the show. He was mentioned on the show. There was context. We weren't saying he was a top bloke. We were just showing an example of bad leadership. Anyway, gosh, when it went to Facebook, I had people bitching and moaning about it. They were like... Dude, that's poor form. I'm unsubscribing. Using Hitler to get clicks is like, I mean, people wake up, listen to the show before you comment, and think about like it's not like I'm a fanboy of Hitler, and it's not like I birthed him and trained him and sent him out on a mission, right? This is the this is I think this relates to the fear that people have in themselves and the way they're handling it. But I changed the picture to General Patton and we're all cozy from then on. And I changed it as a courtesy to help people reduce the fear that's in themselves a little bit because I didn't really want to change the picture and I don't think we should have had to, but it fascinated me, the kickback and the buckback we had from from uh, posting a picture of a villain. But, you know, people put pictures of other villains up there. It's all, all rosy. So I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Ezra. You know, Hitler is such a touchy topic, particularly for my people, right? Like my family was very uh, intensely affected by that guy. And I understand people getting all wild. I don't think I would have chosen to change the picture. I would have left it up because it's not – we're not using it to generate clicks. Like it's not our – it's not like a marketing scheme. Let's use a picture of Hitler to drive more clicks to our website. We're in a fortunate position where we, like we drive plenty yeah, of clicks we, to we our website. We can drive traffic all day long. That, that's what – that's what I guess – annoyed me is that someone would think that that I would need to resort to that to get we are like the most anti-hypey marketers on the planet there's zero hype I think fundamentally it's just it hurt our feelings that they would think that and you know that's a person who you probably don't want on your list in the first place and well, they're like oh, you know. I'm unfollowing or that's seriously uncool and and like it just it makes me want to say a word that would give us an explicit tag but anyway I'm letting you it know, go. and gotta just let it go, move on, and and hey, we did change the picture because look, we we are like catering to everyone, and we want everyone to feel good about I our stuff. Changed the picture to prove that it wasn't a publicity stunt. Yeah, yeah, I don't, okay. I think that I, I'm with you on it, man, and I think we're like on a, on a on a let's on a positive note. When I took the the picture for our sex episode. I got some weird looks down at the beach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a really good picture, by the way. Oh, yeah. Look, uh, I, I'm massively into custom pictures at the moment. So, uh, you know, I, I bother to take original pictures. No one else has them. They're original. They are, um, you know, for, there's nothing beats original and fresh. So so that these pictures have not been on the internet before, except obviously the general pattern one. But I still took a picture of a picture and I reworked the art to remix it a bit because I, I um, couldn't credit it appropriately 
from wherever it came from. But with the exception of that, perhaps, all the other pictures are original pictures, even your little scotch tape picture. Yeah, that's the only one I've taken. I was very proud of that. No, you've taken another one, I think. You took one of yourself. For... Uh, I took fear. I took fear. That's right. I did a selfie. Yeah, for fear. So, But then we still rework them and edit them and, and uh, make them original. So it's a lot of fun doing the pictures. If, if listeners have suggestions for uh, pictures, that would also be interesting to me because it's something I'm interested in right now. Yeah, we'll, we'll take pictures. We, we will basically take anything you've got. You've got something you want to tell us. We'll take it. Uh, Isvan on the leadership episode says, Hey, Ezra, one question. Does it make sense to join your brown box formula now? We have a web shop project idea for a specific product and specific market. I thought your know-how and coaching could give a big boost to the project, but we are probably a bit too late. What do you think? Well, I don't think you're too late. In fact, I believe it's an evergreen course, and I believe that um, the content in that course is relevant no matter what type of physical product business you have, be it a dropship business, a white-label business, a manufacturing business. And I think there's only a few pieces of that course that will – not be relevant, let's say two years from now, perhaps the AdWords training because the interface will have changed, perhaps the big commerce training because the interface will have changed. But for the most part, it is a per- perfectly relevant uh, course that you definitely should take a look at if you're interested in starting a physical product business. Yeah, I think because of the format you use, why, what, how, what, if, there's a lot more than just the what to do, there's the why you need to do it and that's perpetual. The why will apply in the future to any other what Okay, so Ben on leadership, Tao Te Ching by Lei Tzu is one of the most incredible and life-changing books out there. To me, it's a timeless work that simplifies and clarifies all there is when it comes to understanding our own spirituality and connection with the world we live in. I've brought his teachings back to my own religion and have an entirely different perspective, which I believe to be more holistic and free than before. Ezra's wonderful quote was in fact from verse 17 of the Tao Te Ching, but Sun Tzu's Art of War is another classic that teaches awesome techniques in dealing with conflict, either physically or in other personal metaphorical forms of war. Now, I know that to be true because I read it when I was working with the lunatic millionaire and it saved me. Uh, The Tao Te Ching and the Art of War have so much depth to them and they seem to relate to just about every aspect of life in my opinion. These are works whose teachings can slot anywhere into people's lives, regardless of culture or religion. I highly recommend these reads, as do I. Oh, yeah, and great podcast. <laughs> very inspirational as always. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ben. Rock on, Ben. Rick Starr on the uh, Change episode says, It's bad enough that I have to sit in Sydney's peak hour traffic every day. So listening to you driving to the snowfields in your V8 Merc as I'm driving to my J-O-B in the Honda CRV doesn't seem fair. Seriously, it's podcasts like this that make my drive a little more tolerable. P.S. I spent, I spent the entire drive thinking my e-tag was beeping indiscriminately uh, before I realized it was you driving through tolls. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we tried to edit out the driving noise on the sex episode, but I do say I much prefer being in the studio here and uh, having a little stand-up chat so we've rescheduled our time zones to make it work for both of us so i think we'll you know it's much more interactive this way and i apologize for the lack of production values in some of those episodes but at least those episodes were out there versus just being an idea 
Yeah, and as far as you know, it being unfair, hey man, we had jobs as well, and um, and you know you're 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 on the path to getting out of that job if that's something you're interested in doing by listening to podcasts like these ones, like this one, and implementing what you learn. Oh yeah, I used to listen to Product Launch Formula all the way to work and back, and implement stuff into the dealership. So, absolutely, you're on the right path. And if you go back years before that, I was listening to cassettes of uh, Brian Tracy, Psychology of Selling, and Maxwell Maltz, Psycho-Cybernetics. These are the little brain food items that have helped cause the way that I think now and the results that I got. So we have here uh, Scott on Community. I'm loving this podcast, Ezra. I think you make Shrammy come out with his funny side. Love the high-quality content from two great guys who live by what they say. By the way, I've signed up for your BBF course. Ezra, looking forward to putting it into work and reaping the rewards. P.S. James, were you sipping on a few cheeky drinks while recording this particular podcast episode? Much love and respect. Scotty. Hmm, I can't remember. <laughs> but I gen generally, uh, I record in my morning, so it's possible, but I'm not sure. Yeah, you probably. Yeah, that, I don't think that, you were. That on, was that was way back in March. That was on, that was way back in the day, man. I don't think you were on the juice. Here we are, man. We are we are up to the comments from the sex episode. Now, one thing I think is interesting is that you know everyone is going to listen to the sex episode. Let's face it, every listener we have, I, I believe it will be a very popular episode. But not everyone would like to comment on it. You know, it's a very touchy subject, and you don't particularly want to comment on it. But we've got a couple, and so I'll read them out now. Manfred, who's been gone for a month, welcome back, Manfred, says, first, Firefox crashed. Well, you know, it's a, it's a chargy subject. Uh, and then he said, felt crappy before the podcast. Now, we love to be around ourselves. Off to bed to live with what's in our head. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Thanks, Manfred. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Well, it, was, it was a bit of tech tech challenge. Amy, I have to say that I was shocked to see this podcast. Although you had talked about it, I really didn't think it was coming. First, I have to commend James for being willing to dive into this topic. I thought it would be a super awkward podcast, especially when I hear Ezra's mum was on the show, but you all handle it exceptionally well. The guests were very interesting, and I enjoyed hearing their research and ideas. I suppose we've entered a brave new world. Thanks, guys. <laughs> you know, um, a side note, I was talking about having recorded this episode in Silver Circle and somebody mentioned a marketer that they felt was not a great not doing a great job of their promotions and that I think oh something about a flashy car and then penis size came up and then I said well according to Ezra's mum penis size isn't that important and I got some very strange reactions to that. <laughs> oh, no. I was, like, man, a, I got to make it to the Silver Circle thing. calls just for that. I want to I, I be in on those conversations. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a weird moment. Uh, I'm like, no, no, no. Like Ezra's mum was on the call. And that was still strange. <laughs> now, I did, did take my mum and dad to dinner the other day. And my mum's super keen to come on the show and talk about networking if our listeners are interested in that topic at some point. Oh, yeah, man. Let's do it. That would be great. We should get uh, both my mom and your mom on at the same time. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay. Tim on the sex episode says the first half was awesome, second half tomorrow. And then his wife, Melissa, uh, said, 
I totally fell in love with your mom and your aunt, Ezra. They are both all love and acceptance. I'm with Tim. Looking forward to the second half tomorrow. Well, Tim and Melissa, thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to that particular episode. Yeah. So what else we got here from John? John's a... John is like, I don't know if he lives on Facebook, but he likes every single post and he's such a supportive dude, John Hawes. So a difficult topic to cover in just one short episode, but they did a great job. With family like this, I can see why Ezra is a wise way beyond his years. Please get these ladies back. Thanks, John. I I had noticed that as well, that John is like unbelievably... Uh, supportive <laughs> on Facebook. <laughs> he's super supportive. He's just like incredibly su- – and and not just for you and me but also for Timbo and it's people like John that make the web what it is. Yeah, I got to hand it to him. I appreciate it. So Tim says, it was epic and rather an, and another watershed moment in the thawing of ice surrounding this taboo subject and done with such respect. Kudos to all involved. Well, thanks, Tim. Yeah, and I think he actually follows up with another comment. It must be the best and most honest thing I've heard for a long time and much needed. Wiping away the stereotyping and the stigma leaves us with a better understanding of sex in ourselves within any relationship. My soapbox is that we should feel free to talk about things without fear or ridicule or subjugation. Uh, basically, thanks for breaking some more of the ice surrounding the taboo subject. Good work, all of you. And, like, you know, both Ezra and I were remarking on how few comments there are on this particular episode on our site. Uh, so it... Even after we recorded it, there was a little longer editing process than normal because it's a super taboo subject in uh, uh, the land of the Philippines where we edit our podcast. So I was very interested to find out uh, the reaction from our editor. And and, and what, what, what did T-Tai think of it, by the way? Uh, she said, I'll just, I'll pull up the, the response here. And because I said, what do you think about this episode? She she said, um, it wasn't really that chargy. It was a chargy subject, but not extreme chargy. It was very informative. I had fun editing it. Oh, that's really nice. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, because, you know, I, I do want to respect my team and I, I don't want to cause embarrassment to them uh, being associated with me <laughs> or, you know, it, for me, it was uh, it was a confronting topic, and I've made it much easier having your mum on the call because, like, how how hard could it be if you've got your buddy's mum there? Like, if she's <laughs> leading the tone, then that's like that's she's know, taking she's care of it, ma- man. She's taking care of everything. She's more mature. She's she- super knowledgeable with it, and I, I did sit back a little bit in that episode, and I was happy to take that position. <laughs> <laughs> I really so, enjoy doing it. I'm so happy that like that it's it's really incredible that we can do this that we can have a business podcast that is the leading business podcast in Australia and we can have an episode about sex i just think it's fascinating and it's it's a sign of this world that we live in and i'll be curious to see really what happens to our you know we were what 4 days after the release of it so i'll be curious to see uh, as time goes on how um having released an episode like this <laughs> affects us well there's already 923 downloads so Considering how many downloads there are and how few comments, I think what we're talking about is uh, pretty spot on with our theory so far. That's amazing. Okay, here we are now into the think about it section of our show. James, you have uh, gotten rid of your quote again, I can see. (laughs) I deleted the one you had. Sorry, mate. No offense. Uh, 
this, I just want to really tie this back to the topic of burnout. And no, we're not talking about doing wheelies in the car park, which was the first thing I thought when Ezra said burnout because I've just replaced the rear tyres on my car again. It's on its third set. Just because you can do something does not mean you should. I don't know who to attribute that quote to, but I do think it fits really nicely with our overarching theme of simplifying, doing less, paying yourself first, doing only the things that are actually important, thinking about the purpose before you action things. And then you'll find the event of burnout will occur less if your process is simpler and your process is simpler because there's no wasted effort. So just because you can do something does not mean you should. And people like you, Ezra, and to some extent a lot of our listeners who have skills, cool skills that are in demand from the rest of the world, there's no limit to how busy you could keep yourself. And if you just want a simple example of that, let's say I've got 50-odd people in my business. We have 50 man hours a day, uh, 50 times eight. You know, there's 400 hours a day that are available to us and we still use it all. So if I had a 1,000 people, probably we could stay busy, but that would require a completely different way of uh, running the business and a different type of uh, stress or process. And the event might be a financial event, but it might be very disruptive for my life event. And really, what do you want to do? Like, how much money do you really need? How important is money? I mean, yeah, you need enough to like pay your bills and eat, but after that, like, what's you know, what is the value in 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 money in 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 wealth creation? Like, wealth creation for the point of wealth creation doesn't seem like much of a, uh, a doesn't seem like a very good goal. In my opinion, I feel like you should create as much wealth as you need for the things that you want to do. And then beyond that point, what are you even doing? Like you could be on a hike. You could be at a lake. You could be having sex. Like you could be doing all kinds of stuff. That's a whole lot more fun than, uh, than the process of wealth creation, in my opinion. So I like that quote. Now, and I mentioned sex just because of the sex episode. There's a whole bunch of things you could be doing that are fun. Now, the superior man understands what is right. The inferior man understands what will sell. And that's Confucius. Confucius says that. I disagree. I'm going to Ezraify it and I'm going to non-gender bias it. I think it should be the superior person understands what is right and what will sell. Because I believe that selling is awesome and that you should be selling and that if you have something worth selling, then why not sell it? And I don't think that selling is inherently bad. I think selling can be bad. Well, it's, quite, it's a bold move there, overriding Confucius. I'm overriding Confucius, man. He's <laughs> gender biased. Hey, hey, it's your bias. show. That's if right. Confucius has an issue with it, he can hop on the show, leave a speak pipe. Yeah, and, or he can, you know, he can say it on his show. So uh, here we go. The, you know, when I first read this quote, I had an immediate thought. It's like Confucius must know about these cash flow scams that are going on at the moment. And, and gee, they, they irritate me because there are victims involved. And this is how they work. People posture on Facebook. They have high-priced coaching. And then they get all their students to drive people to it because they'll get a huge bounty, sometimes $10,000. And it's just a greed cycle. And it, I, I just think it's disgusting. And uh, anyway, that's the inferior man knowing what sells. You know what sells? Greed sells. And get rich quick and make lots of money and 
if someone's going to pimp their mate for $10,000, it just seems disingenuous to me. They're placing their selfish greed needs over the, the right thing to do. And the right thing is to look after people's needs. And I think one of your things, Ezra, is what? Serve the world unselfishly? And profit. Right. So you can be profitable and unselfish. Uh, you can be selfish and profitable, but you might actually have to step on someone to get that. So maybe people should think about why they're doing stuff and, and what the outcome is. So, in, in, And I'll reference this back to burnout. I think these people caught in these high-velocity cash roundabouts are going to get jammed. They're going to, they're going to come unstuck because they will burn out with that model. They'll burn out their friends and uh, peer group, and they'll probably burn themselves out as they greedily grab all that cash because there'll be some bitter, bitterness and resentment in the end. And there's, there's lots of types of programs like this. So I'm not going to name them because everyone will see them on their Facebook uh, wall or their advertisements all the time, but they're programs where you essentially pay money to be able to sell that program and then people uh, who come into the program you get a reward for. And I don't like those sort of programs. I think that the whole thing they're missing is an actual product or something of value. It's almost like um, almost like MLM of high-end coaching. It's pretty much exactly that. Even if it's one tier, it's still quite it's quite greed-driven. Yeah, no fun. So I'm not going to finger MLM here because it's probably great MLMs like send out cards or whatever. It's not an MLM thing that I have a, a, a fix against. It's um, greed roundabouts. Selling something that has no value in it. Yeah, like someone came to my event and they put flyers out on every single table for their energy drink. Really? And their whole point, no. yeah, and their whole point is that people. Will, Dude, was this Fast Web Formula Four? Yeah, like on the last day of the of the last session, when I, when everyone left, I saw all these flyers and I was fuming because I'm like, how dare someone? It costs a lot of money to put on an event and to bring people to the event. They they pay a thousand dollars each, and I wanted to respect them and not clutter them up with crappy offers. Well, you know, also you've got to pay to be a sponsor at an event. Exactly. And so you know, some I mean, like greedy that's, that's a paid service. Some greedy mofo has stuck flies out for their shitty sports drink that they they're hoping that someone's going to pick up and you oh yeah, I want to be a distributor of that and sell 100,000 of those and you know, it's just greed driven. It's so selfish and so rude. Well, it's also uh, like a, a really good way to not get invited back, you know. Absolutely typical of how these people operate. And and so if you're doing that, stop it. <laughs> Back to Bob Newhart. Uh, exactly. That is by far the best video on that. But, you know, they're not thinking about it. They're not thinking about how rude that must be to the event organizer, how rude it is to people who have, who have invested to come to an event, which is a no-pitch event. They get this spammy leaflet on their desk that someone has gone – I've been to speak at events where – these guys leave their cards along the top of the urinals. Wow. And like if that's your marketing capacity, you got to change businesses. Yeah. And you know, I think if you're operating from a level of that much scarcity, if 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 that's where you're operating from, then you really ought to take a look at, you know, where things are and how you got to that place and and probably um change the tactics because those types of tactics have ended you in a place where you're operating out of that kind of scarcity. So there you go. This has been episode 28 on burnout. James, you want to take us out? Yeah, so you got to listen to Ezra's mic without a pop shield. 
Uh, so <laughs> this is why I recommend the Rode Podcaster. It's a superior microphone to those Yetis and Snowballs. Secondly, it's very common in society that we experience at some point or another the point where you, which you cannot go past anymore. You've gone right to the edge and then past it. And that's because we're doing something or it's so intense that it just eats up every every bit of your attention and energy. And, you know, it happens to athletes, musicians, students, employees, yoga teachers. They're burning out. I mean, freaking yoga teacher burning out. That's just... Oh, man, it's intense. I know. <laughs> intense is the guy I saw at some dynamic yoga class in his underpants and he should not be allowed to wear underpants. <laughs> I-M-H-O. How about the guys who wear white underwear in these hot yoga classes? <laughs> I went up, went up to my sister's studio and there's this guy he's been doing it for like 20 years and he's sitting there in his undies. And I'm like... Yeah, bad idea. Anyway, back on topic. <laughs> burnout. It's totally optional. Think about if the burnout is the event you keep continuing to eventuate, then your process needs to change. And the process is also known as the actions. If your actions aren't right, it's because you're not thinking right. So go back to the whole point. We've covered some pretty interesting topics in this episode. We've had a little bit of backstory. We've we've voiced our concerns about people's um you know the way they're they're judging our imagery, and uh, we've also talked about our hatred of greed cycle cash coaching scams. So, what are your thoughts, listener? We'd love to hear what you think. And uh, as always, it's been a, a colourful conversation, and uh, hopefully, we'll be back for the next episode shortly. We will be back next week. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. This has been another episode of Think, Act, Get with James Schramko and Ezra Firestone. For more tips and tutorials on how to grow your business faster, visit thinkactget.com and join the newsletter. It's free.